Hello, everyone. Welcome to Small Biz Tips. So a couple of weeks ago, uh, one of my business partners mentioned a name to me. He said, you need to check this guy out. I'm like, OK, so I Google him and I saw a podcast I'm like, oh, I like this. Then I saw a YouTube video. I'm like, I got to reach out to this guy. So I reached out to him on LinkedIn and he said yes. So I had to bring him here today. I can't wait for him to share all the amazing gems that he's going to share with us. Guys, meet Bakari. What's up, man? Nice to meet you. Good, good. Thanks for jumping on. All right. So here's how we're going to do this, right? Tell us a little bit about who is Bakari. Oh, so um, let's see. So um, right now I uh, I am the founder of the of a private equity firm called Graves Hall Capital, which I established to buy companies. Um, earlier this year, I bought a burlap bag manufacturing company in partnership with a private equity firm. Um, uh, the year before that, I bought an educational technology company in partnership with a family office. Um, I teach uh, MBA candidates how to buy companies at Cornell. Um, and, uh, and so that's the work that I'm in, engaged in. In my uh, personal life, um, I'm right now I'm on a I'm on a trip. I'm traveling to 12 countries for 12 months. I just like just wrap. I'm wrapping up right now. My third country. I was in Cape oh. Town in July. In August, I was in Greece. Um, and this month, I'm in Spain. Um, next month, I'll be in Turkey. I'm traveling with this a program called Remote Year um, that sets up international trips for people who um, don't have to work. From uh, like their home office and can mm -hmm. instead go out and, and see the world. And so um, that's my personal life and uh, what I do in my professional life. I love it, man. I love it. Um, first, congrats, right? Not a lot of people can actually travel to <laughs> the world. <laughs> so that's amazing. But uh, from what I've been learning about you, it, it hasn't been always like that. So mm. I'm kind of curious if you want to go back, right? How did you even get into the PE space? Like, matter of fact, let's go back even further. Um, how did you even start thinking about entrepreneurship? I'm curious to hear about that. Sure. Um, so uh, for me, I had always expected by the time I was 25 that I would be rich. And uh, I couldn't understand when I got to 25 why I wasn't. Um, <laughs> And uh, I felt like up until that point that money was gonna like materialize in front of me, I guess. <laughs> I didn't think that I needed to like dedicate any like real time to it. I thought, um, you know, I was a smart guy. I was, mm -hmm. uh, uh, I'd gone to a good school. Um, I thought at some point something was just gonna happen and, uh, and it wasn't happening. And mm. I started thinking to myself, well, then maybe I need to be more deliberately focused on trying to build uh, wealth for myself. Yeah. And um, at the time, I think Dame Dash went on The Breakfast Club and was bashing anybody who, ha who had a job. He was like, you don't need a job. How can you build wealth if you got a job? If you have a, if you have a boss, you might as well call him daddy. Like, it was just like, like it was like, it was violent in its uh, approach, <laughs> but it woke me up. I I, mm. I I tell people all the time, it woke me up and made me think, okay, you know, at the time I was working in software sales mm. and I was thinking to myself, um, this, it didn't feel like what I was doing was going to ultimately result in me being like 
a millionaire in my thirties. Mm. It felt like, I felt like, you know, I wasn't really like, I might be, live a good, comfortable middle-class life, but I, I didn't yeah. think that I would actually be able to be rich. And, um, I didn't know what rich meant, like in terms of like a very like, like authoritative way of saying yeah. what it is. Um, but I knew I needed to learn about it. And so coming off of that, that, um, that uh that interview, I just started reading any book around about personal finance that I could find. Um, uh -huh. I of course started with Rich Dad Poor Dad, and then I read Ramit Sethi's book. Um, I will teach you to be rich. I I, mm. I read. Uh, I just I started reading any like if there was a personal finance section <laughs> in a bookstore in a uh, in a library. At that you know at that time twenty five twenty six. I probably had read everybody. I I got Dave Ramsey's book. I got Susie um, Orman's book. And I started to notice that a lot of the writing around personal finance was focused on, you know, long-term savings, um, you know, intelligence ways of handling your money, getting out of credit card debt. And I was, and I knew those are, those are critical things, but I felt like that's not what Mark Zuckerberg did. <laughs> he didn't just invest in his 401k. Yeah. <laughs> He did something and I knew it was starting a business, but I was like broke. And so I was like, mm. I can't, I, it didn't, and I didn't have like a really cool idea that I thought would be the, you know, the startup um, that would, you know, not necessarily be Mark Zuckerberg, but, you know, 400 names down the, uh, down the Forbes, uh, uh, Forbes list. It's yeah. still a great life. Like you don't need to be number one or number three to 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 live a great life. But I didn't have any sort of like conception as to how to um, build that type of a company myself. And so I thought there was really no hope to become an entrepreneur if this is the route to to lean into. And mm -hmm. as I was reading these personal finance books, these three letters, I I started seeing them all the time. It would it was like a consistent thing. I would, but I, I never knew exactly what those three letters meant. And so one day I, I went to YouTube and I typed in um, I typed in LBO into mm -hmm. uh, into YouTube to just to find out what it was. And that's how ultimately from that moment forward, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I learned oh. about what a leveraged a leveraged buyout is. And okay. the idea to go out and borrow money from banks um, and from private lenders mm -hmm. um, to buy existing businesses and I was just stunned by this like style of entrepreneurship. It seemed to me to be, um, when done correctly, one of the least risky ways of acquiring a business um, where you don't necessarily need to be the super duper manager. There's a, mm -hmm. there, the business has a lot of all of the existing pieces that it needs to continue doing um, its operations. And you don't have to yourself be personally wealthy to conduct the transaction. You just have to be um, savvy enough to be able to conduct and get people to commit their capital to the transaction. And mm. so identifying investors, identifying lenders um, and getting the deal done. And so ultimately that I found that to be the most compelling form of entrepreneurship. And I just started directing all of my energy from basically from 26 forward to uh, to getting that done. Wow. That wow! First, that's amazing. Um, that you actually took the time and do the research, and you know, because a lot of people will say, "Okay, they can't figure it out." They watch a YouTube video and they kind of stop. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you went a step further. So I'm curious. Um, from that age, right, that 26. Um, uh, that, that was what, like 10 years ago? 
Uh, so I'm 34 right now. So eight years. Eight years ago. So from mm -hmm. that age to now, um, when you really start focusing on, um, you know, hey, I'm going to buy companies. Like, how did you find your deal flow? Like, because that's, mm -hmm. to me, is one of the biggest thing for a lot of people that want to buy businesses. They don't know where to look or, you know, how to even start that. Like, tell us a bit about mm -hmm. what was that strategy you used? Yeah, so um, kicking things off, I would say from 25 to, so I didn't ultimately start doing real big transactions until about 30 years old. So okay. from 26 to 30, nothing really happened. Mm. Now that said, a lot of stuff happened between 26 and 30. Like what? <laughs> I, I, I sourced hundreds of deals. I put together capital financing equal to $30 million. What didn't happen though, was the deal didn't ultimately close. Mm. So I was in the trenches. So from 26 to 27, it was just pure developing the pipeline. Like that's all it was. Like, yeah, no, no business owner took me seriously when I was talking to them, trying to get them to can, uh, sell me their company. Investors were very wary about working with me on transactions at that time because I didn't have a uh, business background. I didn't have an MBA. I didn't go to school for like, I was literally a software sales guy who quit everything related to that <laughs> and just said, I'm going to focus on, <laughs> on trying to buy a company. And so, uh, and so from there forward, I just had to go out and, build pipeline and so for me pipeline um development started with um with with business brokers and online platforms so at this yeah. point biz buy sell existed um and a few other online platforms that are similar to it um and so i would be sending out offers through that platform um, i would go to business broker events i would go to just really any sort of event where there were business owners all congregated and I'm in New York. So this is like one yeah. of the biggest concentrations of, of businesses in the world. And so I would just go to anything. Um, one of, one of the events that I would go to sometimes is called um, BNI business yes. networking international. And so I would show up at the morning meetings and I would literally just bounce between those morning meetings and I would <laughs> raise my hand and tell people that I'm looking to buy a company and I would interact with the attorneys and the lawyers. Somebody might be saying, Oh, I actually know a business broker. And I would add, them to my list um i would go to uh i would type in business broker um and whatever state i was in and i would just download uh, and by download i mean i personally would go to the list i would wow. find the person's email address and then i would add it to a list and i would just do that myself like wow. just adding and i i added maybe 600 business brokers to my list just myself personally until i ultimately started hiring people through fiverr to go on the large directories yeah. and they and i would hire them for you know whatever amount of money and then they would create lists of ten of thousands of, bro of brokers across the united states and minnesota all the way to uh, uh to wow. new york and uh and so, and then on a, almost like a monthly to quarterly basis, I would be sending them an email. Hey, I'm interested in buying a company. Could you send me something? Most of them would not uh, respond, uh, but every once in a while, somebody would. Um, at that time, as I said, I didn't have any real credibility. I hadn't gotten any yeah. deals done. I didn't have, um, you know, the business background. I wasn't um, supported by any major investors or anything like that. And so I had to myself just sort of portray an ultimate poise that would get people to be like, I would trust this guy. <laughs> wow. and, so, uh, and so it was just it was that. So really from 26 to 27, I probably I probably saw something like 400 or 500 different 
different deals just that year alone um, and made offers on dozens of them. Um, and got some to um, to to start to take me seriously, um, but nothing actually closed that year um, and for several years forward. Now, question for you, right? You said you quit that sales job. So how were you supporting yourself doing all that? I, I, I wasn't. I was struggling. <laughs> I was in. I was super struggling. Um, mm. uh, one thing I did um, that was entrepreneurial at the time is I I developed this. Uh, so I had. Um, I had, uh, you know, I've actually never told this story publicly, but I, I've had, um, I've in in Rich Dad's book, he has, he talks about this game that he played, that he created, um, which I think was ultimately the reason why he he wrote Rich Dad Poor Dad was to sell this game called Cash Flow, and in Cash Flow, the object of the game is t- you start out as a a rat who's on the rat chase mm-hmm. right the little this little circle and on this circle are all, all these different sort of life events that tend to happen to people where they can either make money or lose money get mm-hmm. a kid you lose money buy a house you lose money um get a raise you make money get fired you lose money it's all it's it's supposed to simulate a life yeah. experience on this rat race and the goal of this game is to earn enough passive income where you can escape the rat race and start to live the life outside of the rat race and start doing things that are already only accessible to people who don't have to, um, you know, be trapped in the rat race. Yeah. And the only way to develop that passive income was to do deals. It was the, the essentially the game was saying there are big deals and little deals. If you can do a deal, you can use that money to yeah. develop enough passive income and that can ultimately get you out the game. And so I started noticing that um, separate from the work that I was doing with the brokers, because I, like, as I said, I, if I send an email to 600 brokers on a Monday and I only get five or six opportunities from them on a Tuesday, I can't send that email again on yeah. Thursday, right? <laughs> like they're going to block me, right? <laughs> so <laughs> all I'm going to have is whatever they gave me. And so I got to figure out a way to fill the time between mm-hmm. the next time I can reach out to these guys and ask them um, to, to send me something. And so sometimes I would feel that by calling these guys and many of them, like ultimately I started to realize that that sometimes is a waste of time. I get on the phone, they say, hey, we got your email. There was nothing to send you, so I can't send you anything. You know, get in contact with me in, in a quarter. Um, and so I just, I developed this um, this idea of hosting an event in New York City where mm. I would bring entrepreneurs and investors to the 4040 club on a weekly basis um, wow. and I would and you know something like 40 or 50 entrepreneurs would show up and investors would show up and I would tell them in the room that I'm looking for a company to buy hoping that they would introduce me to whomever they knew Your network, um, yeah. and and uh, and so that's how I started to build out a personal network separate from uh um, what I was doing directly, reaching out to business brokers, um, and then ultimately I started shifting my approach from working out, reaching out directly to business brokers to reaching out directly to business owners. Mm. Um, and so um, that event that I hosted on a weekly basis, I had um, fees that were associated with that. And so you know, people who would come uh, would drop twenty dollars off, and uh, you know, if I have 40, 50 people in the room at yeah. twenty dollars each. Um, that's what I survived on for a wow. <laughs> for every week for uh, uh, for four weeks. So so every month that yeah take twenty take twenty dollars so like a thousand bucks 50. every week coming in, and, and so that's that's what I was surviving on. Now this said this said 
it was no guarantee that it was going to be 50 people. And there was no guarantee that everybody, every one of the 50 people were going to give me $20. Um, sometimes I would do it a whole entire event and it would be 14 people in the room. And of the 14 people, six people would give me $20. <laughs> and so, you know, that's how I lived. I lived like that for, um, that was one source of income that I had um, right. that I would use to support myself while, as I was navigating this, um, this, uh, this search. And so, Imagine the struggle that I'm navigating. I'm yes. having conversations with people who um, I want to buy their multi-million dollar company. Yes. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and my bank account is, you know, what it was at the time. And so um, for me to be in this position, I it, it, sometimes I get outreach from um, from people who are interested in buying companies and their position is far less precarious than mine was. You know, I, I referenced this in in, our, in a previous podcast, you know, somebody reaching out to me saying, I, I really want to do this, but I'm a little worried about the outcome. I'm like, so what's the alternative? Well, I have an opportunity to be an investment banker at, you know, X company. I'm like, <laughs> what are you nervous about? Wow. You can so, get it done. I, I, I have so many questions, but, um, but I want to cover something here, right? You currently have a PE firm. Now, you mentioned you partner with a family office and a PE firm in a couple of your past deal. How do you go about doing that? Because, you know, that you, you, you're going after these type of businesses. And if you don't have the capital, being able to partner with like a family office, one, how do you even find a family office? And then <laughs> how do you go about creating that partnership where it's beneficial on both sides? Yeah, so... Um... Most family offices and a lot of private equity firms do not have a dedicated guy in their company who does what I just described that I did, ah, which is, you know, yeah. reaching out to business brokers on a quarterly basis, hosting events, you know, identifying they their pipeline, their deal flow um, is somewhat passive. Like there are a, a lot of family offices and uh, and private equity firms are waiting on deals to come to them as opposed to proactively going out and seeking um, yeah. opportunities. And so the skill set that I developed over the course of those years was the ability to find and identify deals and uh, and not just find and identify deals. Well, I was proficient in finding and identifying companies that were available to sell. Yeah. Then I learned how to structure a deal with the person who, was, who had a company for sale, right? So the two skill sets that I built were are for the most part, not always accessible or available inside of the home firm that I'm reaching out to. So mm -hmm. if I'm talking to a family office and I've, and I've found the company and I've structured the deal with me and the owner, and that deal is so beneficial, meaning the price is um, sufficient, the, the seller note is proficient. By the time I bring that deal to a family office, I've done 75% of the work. Yeah. <laughs> like, wow, that like is so from smart. That, from, from their perspective, all they need to do is diligence the deal, make sure that they're not dealing with a crook like me if uh, <laughs> if I'm a crook. And if they if they can verify that I'm not a crook, verify that the that the deal by showing up to the company and seeing the business, that they just you know it's diligence and funding the transaction. They didn't have to go wow. source the deal. They didn't have to negotiate the deal. <laughs> they didn't have to do any of that. You know, all they had to do is you know hire an attorney, hire a uh, hire an accountant to verify that the transaction that I put together is legit. And, uh, and so, and then once you've done it a couple of times, now you, you're resting on your laurel. So the next time you go to the next firm and say, Hey, I want to do a transaction, but well, they, they don't, 
they don't have to do as much diligence on me as a person because yeah. they can look at my track record and say, okay, he partnered with Iron Creek Partners on this transaction. He partnered with Granite Creek on this transaction. So yeah, well, you know, we should consider him on this deal. And so, um, so yeah, it was a lot of that. Now, at the same time, you got to be you know, honest and transparent about who you are and my situation and all that. So nobody who I was working with was unaware of the precarious situation that I was that I was in. But that's not the focus of a transaction. They're not focused on, hey, is this guy? No, they're looking at the business. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know, I'm bringing a company that generates $3 million in EBITDA, uh, you know, $5 million in EBITDA, $20 million in revenue, $30 million in revenue. The business is legit. It's been operating since the 80s, the 90s, the 40s. You know what I'm saying? This is not a company that I found, you know, that was started in, you know, I, I'm not bringing a company to a to a private equity firm that was founded in 2019 and 2020. Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying like no, no, I'm bringing that, a company. You know, so you bring these legit businesses, with, and then then it's a process of negotiating directly with the family office and the uh, um, and the private equity firm to make sure that uh, you're getting the best deal that uh, uh, for yourself and uh, and uh, and one that's going to actually make sure that the the future of the company is is sustained as well. So um, I'm curious, first, genius, I, I love it because, you know, that that just opens up my mind on how many different ways to do deals um, where yeah. you don't need to bring all the cash or even have to use SBA uh, if That's you right. can find those right partners. Now, one thing I'm curious, you mentioned you have your own PE fund. Uh, one, how did you get started with that? And tell us about that PE fund. Like, how is it structured and what's the purpose of it? Like, what, what kind sure. of business do you buy? So I, I want to clarify um, what I said at the outstart and what I say now is it's not a fund. So I haven't raised a dedicated okay. pool of capital for um, for doing transaction. I have a private equity firm, meaning an gotcha. established entity that has done transactions and, and will continue to do so in the future. And so there is some energy between um, me and some of the guys who I um, sometimes partner with on transactions to, um, to ultimately raise a fund. And I think yeah. that that's possible for me in the future. Um, it's uh, to me, I, I would like to be more in that driver's seat capacity where I can deploy capital and not have to, um, and, you know, I've dem demonstrated for um, over years, my ability to source and identify transactions and partner with, um, with uh, great management teams. And, and ultimately I'm going to be judged on the exits of the transactions that I've done as yeah. well. And so if we uh, can find good companies and exit those companies, I think I'll be in a great position to, um, to go out and raise a fund. Um, so maybe in a couple of years, we'll have the conversation again. And yeah, definitely. Wow. So to, to kind of wrap things up, right. What is that one small biz tips you would share with any entrepreneur out there who's thinking about growing their business by through acquisition? Yeah. So if you're a business owner already and you're thinking about buying a good company, um, I've been in the shoes of the person who. So one of the roles I took um, uh, later in my career, um, sort of simultaneously with me doing uh, was to go work in-house for mm -hmm. a uh, for a uh, for several companies. Um, where I am responsible for finding businesses for that company to buy. 
Um, in our world, we call that corporate development. So we're looking for businesses that make sense for our company. And so I have a lot of insights for, you know, what to think about um, as an entrepreneur, though those things are somewhat uh, focused on the businesses, the specific company. Um, but I would say one of the strongest things that I did when I was looking for companies was, was mapping out the competitive group of mm -hmm. uh, businesses that we operate and finding the businesses that, you know, it, when I was trying to do deals on my own, I needed to find the perfect company so that it yeah. was completely unassailable from a family office or private equity firm. It needed to just be a rock solid business um, that I didn't have to, you know, there was no turnaround opportunities there. It's yeah. not necessarily the case when you're a corporate acquirer. When you're a corporate acquirer, a lot of the things below the revenue line, um, you you can get rid of. You know, mm -hmm. if you can buy, if you buy that company, you know, everything from SGNA down is completely in your hands. You because oftentimes as a business owner, you'll have the infrastructure to absorb these companies yeah. um, and get rid of the types of things that you might not need. There may be a facility that's operating that yeah. um, isn't unneeded. There may be um, you know a, a certain a third party providers to your business that you won't need to hire anymore because yeah. those things are not necessary. And so um, uh, and so I would say looking at your competitive set and finding companies that have great customer bases, that have um, strong fundamentals, um, where you can absorb them and their employee base and not necessarily need to take on facilities and all that other stuff. And I would say that's a great place to start um, when you're thinking about um, uh, going out as a small business owner to buy a, buy a company and grow your business. Wow, uh, so many gems. Um, how do people get in touch with you? They wanna reach out to you or connect with you. Uh, how do we do that? Yeah, so the best for me, I'm always accessible via email. So feel free to reach out to me. Um, my first name, Bakari at graveshallcap.com. Um, my LinkedIn is also accessible. So just search me, Bakari Akil, on, on LinkedIn. Um, I'm posting some of my traveling stuff yeah. online. So you can um, see that Nomad Noir, that's the platform that I'm doing um, some of my travel. Um, information on and so yeah I'm I'm pretty accessible and uh, except for right now while I'm in Spain <laughs> then, then go to I'm Turkey so maybe not physically actually I'll be back in the states um next month um I my uh my session at Cornell I teach it um in okay. October so I'll be there I'll be in New York and then I have a board meeting in North Carolina um and then I'll be at homecoming I went to Morehouse so I'll be at homecoming ah, in, I'm in uh, Atlanta so we gotta week. link up oh nice yeah mm -hmm. let's do it <laughs> I love and it. So, uh, so yeah, I'll be there, and then and then Fantastic, guys! Reach out to Bukari. As you can see, he's full of gems, super resourceful, and he can definitely connect you with the right people. Thanks again for yeah. jumping on, guys.